Welcome to the Reading for Your Life podcast. I'm Alex, and I apologize for the long hiatus, but we're back to wrap up the year with The Return of the Light, 12 Tales from Around the World for the Winter Solstice. The Return of the Light is a collection of traditional myths, stories, and legends from around the world about the winter solstice or the first emergence of light. The collection was gathered and retold by Carolyn McVicar Edwards, an educator, artist, and writer from Oakland, California. She's written several similar books full of traditional stories. This collection really does stretch across the entire world, from ancient China to Polynesia, tribes from the California coast to the familiar Norse gods. Nearly every ancient culture sought to explain the first emergence of the light and the long, dark nights of winter. Today, we call that longest night, either December 20th or the 21st, it's the 21st this year, the winter solstice. The winter and summer solstices happen at the same time opposite each other, depending on whether you're in the northern or southern hemisphere. But either way, it's a special day that humans noticed. All year long, the sun follows a path through the sky that we call the ecliptic. It moves a little differently every day until the solstice, when the sun stops moving along that same path. But on the next day, it'll reverse direction. In Latin, sol, meaning sun, and sistera, meaning to stand still, come together to give us the word solstice. In an age before calendars and clocks, humans measured the passage of time by the changing of the seasons. There were good times when crops grew, herds were plentiful, and weather was warm. And then there were harder times when the nights grew longer, the temperatures dropped, and food became more scarce. The solstice was an important marker in that annual cycle. And in the depths of the darkness and cold, midwinter festivals sprung up all over the world. From Diwali in India, the Yule celebration with its famous log in Germany, Dongxi, meaning winter arrives in China, to Saturnalia in Rome, and now Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and Christmas. We come together in the coldest nights, we lit candles and fires, feasted on the spoils of the harvest season, we shared candies and presents and songs, and we looked forward to the return of the light. After the year that we've had in 2020, these stories seemed especially poignant. In an interview with the Times, Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of Brown University's School of Public Health, recently said, the next three months are going to be just horrible. President-elect Biden in the United States has said fittingly that we're in for a long, dark winter. As we look forward to the return of the light and a return to normal, I wanted to share a few of these stories. Our first story comes from the Polynesian people and focuses on a character named Maui, which you may remember from the Disney movie Moana. Maui was a shape-shifting demigod and was known as a trickster, although one who generally caused good things. He pulled the islands up from the depths of the ocean, gave humans fire, and he grew the first coconuts. But this is the story of how he lassoed the sun. One day, Maui watched his mother working on her bark cloth. Every day, she was only able to finish about half of her work before the sun set. So Maui pointed out how little time the sun gave for them to complete their work, and his mother agreed. Fruit takes years to ripen, and fishermen can barely get their boats into the water before the day is over. So Maui vows to slow the sun and asks his mother's advice. She sends him to see his grandmother in the house of the sun. With a few tricks, some special rope woven from his sister's hair, and the help of his brothers, Maui has a plan to capture the sun. They manage to snare the sun in a net and demand that it slow its path across the sky. The sun resists out of pride, and after some motivation with the aid of a club, the sun admits defeat and promises to slow down. Ever since, the sun moves as fast as it ever did for half of the year, but for the other half, the sun remembers its promise and takes a slower path across the sky, stretching the day out and giving us time for work and play. 
For our second story, we turn to a Norse myth involving another trickster god, Loki of Asgard. Long ago, everyone and everything in the Nine Realms was at peace. And among all the gods of Asgard, Baldur, god of the light, was the most beloved. The other gods circled around him, declaring their love and their adoration, and of course, that made Loki jealous. When Baldur dreamed of his own impending death, the other gods were distraught, but Loki was very happy. Baldur's parents, Odin and Frigg, and his many brothers and sisters devised a plan to keep beloved Baldur safe. Frigg would go throughout the Nine Realms and have every being promise not to hurt her son. Fire and steel, birds, snakes, and rocks, one by one, everything promised that they would never hurt Baldur. So with those promises secure, the gods were overjoyed. Nothing in the world could hurt Baldur. And in their celebration, they gathered around and they began pelting Baldur with all manner of items. But everything that they threw bounced off harmlessly to the delight of the crowds. In disguise as an old woman, Loki approached Frigg and pretended to warn her that the gods were pelting her son. Of course, she replied without worry. Nothing can hurt him, she said. I've gone throughout the nine worlds and every being has promised not to hurt him. Every being, asked Loki. To which Frigg admitted, well, nearly everyone. She'd never asked the lowly mistletoe because it was simply too small and inconsequential to matter. Armed with that knowledge, Loki went away and fashioned a dart out of mistletoe. When he returned to the gods, still pelting Baldur with harmless items, he tricked one of the assemblage into throwing the tiny dart. And as intended, the mistletoe struck Baldur and took his life. And with him, the light died too. When the other gods went to the goddess Hel to beg for Baldur's return, the goddess of the underworld said she'd release Baldur back to the living world, but only if every being in all creation wept for him. And they nearly did. All across the Nine Realms, everyone wept for Baldur. Even the mistletoe, which had dealt the killing stroke, wept. In fact, it wept the strongest of all, which is why mistletoe still bears the pearly berries of its tears today. In all creation, only Loki, disguised as a giantess, refused to shed a tear for Baldur. But that was all it took. Baldur, god of the light, was trapped in the land of the dead. Together, the gods hunted Loki down. They chained him to a stone beneath the earth to be tortured day and night. And when Loki finally escaped, he brought about Ragnarok, the twilight of the gods. As Asgard fell, the gods fought bravely, but they were cut down one by one. Even Sol, the goddess of the sun, was consumed by the great wolf Fenrir. But as the dust of the great battle settled, Sol's daughter, even more beautiful than she was, takes up her mother's course across the sky. And Baldur, god of light, emerges from the underworld. Finally, we turn to Tanzania and a story called The Pull Together Morning. At the beginning of the world, there was no sun. Everything was in darkness and all of the creatures stumbled around blindly. Lion called together all of the animals and together they decided that they needed to do something about the darkness. Lion and leopard and zebra and monkey and all the other animals agreed that they would need to put aside their differences and harambe, a word in Swahili that means pull together. They decided that they needed to get to the other side of the sky, where they'd often seen light peeking through. But of course, none of the animals could fly that high. So finally, spider, fly, and mouse, not normally willing to work together, decided that they would harambe, pull together, and try. Spider spun a ladder up into the sky, and mouse nibbled a small hole that the three animals were able to pass through. On the other side of the sky, spider, fly, and mouse were found by the sky people and taken to their king. 
the king didn't want to give light to the people of the earth. So he devised a plan to give the visitors a test that they had no hope of passing. And when they failed, as they surely would, he'd deny the request and send them home. The king of the sky people took the three to a field of grass and said that they needed to cut all of the grass before the next day so that the sky people could make roofs for their homes. Spider, Fly, and Mouse knew that they had absolutely no chance to cut that grass by themselves. But Mouse had an idea. He squeezed back through the hole in the sky and ran down Spider's ladder, and at the bottom he found the ants. He implored their queen to Harambe, pull together. The ants climbed the ladder, crossed beyond the sky, and made quick work of that field of grass. When the three returned to the king of the sky people, he was shocked, but he devised a second impossible test that the visitors were sure to fail. The king slaughtered a large cow, and he told the three that they must consume all of the meat before the morning. Spiderfly and mouse were only small animals, and they knew that they couldn't eat all that meat themselves. So instead, they pulled together, and as mouse dug tunnels in the dirt, spider and fly followed behind, burying the meat and hiding it away. When they returned to the king again, there was no meat left to be found. Finally, the king brought two boxes, one black and one red. One box contained darkness and the other light. The king meant to present the closed boxes to the visitors and make them choose blindly, but Fly had snuck into the tent and watched the king explain his test. Fly rushed back to Mouse and Spider and told them that the red box contained what they came for. They made a show of considering their choices and then in a rush snatched the red box and rushed back through the hole and down the ladder to the waiting animals. And the animals cheered at their return. The three held up the box high saying, we've brought you the light. The animals gathered around as they pulled the box open, and to everyone's surprise, out jumped Rooster. All of the animals thought they had been tricked by the King of the Sky People, but suddenly Rooster let out his own cry, sounding very much like the word Harambe, and the sun rose into the world for the first time. And every day since, when Rooster calls up the sun, we remember that first pull-together morning and the unity that brought light into the world. All over the globe, throughout human history, we've told stories about the return of the light. In many of those stories, the light is stolen or hidden because of the darkness in men's souls. The god of light is killed out of jealousy, or the sky people beyond the world want to greedily keep the light for themselves. It's only when we come together that the light arrives. Maui and his brothers work together to make the day longer to help their mothers work. The gods come together to hold Loki accountable and then stand against the fall of Asgard before the god of light can return to the world. And of course, Harambe, pulling together, putting aside our differences and pasts to complete impossible tasks and call up the sun. We've seen more than our share of human darkness this year. Pride and anger and fear all over the world. And now we're heading into a long, dark, cold winter. Globally, 1.5 million people have died of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in many places, my own state here in the United States included, the deaths are rising more rapidly than ever. Like many of you, I won't be gathering with my family for the holidays this year. In fact, it's been about a year since I've seen my parents in person, and as much as I miss seeing them, my heart breaks even more for everyone who has lost friends and family to this horrible virus and will never have the chance to see those people again. This year, more than any other, I look forward to the return of the light. As I think about the next year, the stories from the return of the light echo loudly. For our entire history, humankind has faced the darkness and uncertainty with a singular devotion. Together, 
with community, shared celebration, and a commitment to what's better for us all, we see each other through the darkness. And through our action, we bring the light back into the world. As you plan your end-of-year celebrations and maybe think about resolutions for the new year, I hope you'll think about the return of the light. The darkness doesn't last forever, but it also takes our action to ensure that the light will come again. Thank you for listening to Reading for Your Life. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear from you at modernpolymaths at gmail.com, modernpolymaths on Twitter, or modernpolymathsmedia on Facebook. You can also check out modernpolymaths.com for past episodes and various musings on big questions about life. On the next episode, we'll get back on track in time for the presidential inauguration in the U.S., and we'll share John F. Kennedy's Profiles in Courage, a book about principles and the importance of standing for them, even when it costs you everything. Until next time, this has been Alex, and I wish you the best life imaginable.